Merge Memphis exists simply to assist underserved women to live in dignity, safety, and peaceful surroundings alongside other like-minded women working towards a better life of self-sufficiency and self-worth. Hi, and welcome to today's Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, and today I'm really looking forward to talking about Merge Memphis with my guest. Recently in the studio, I had Lee Pittman Howard, and Lee was here, and we talked about a ministry that God is using candles in the lives of women coming out of sex trafficking, a life to be restored, and the light of candles are making a difference in these women's lives. More than that, it's Christ who actually makes the difference in the transformation, but they're learning uh, a business through candle making. And while Lee was in the studio, she said, you have got to meet Sherry McClure. And if you know Lee, she's like the energizer bunny. She's just go, go, go. Love talking to Lee. But she said, you need to talk to Sherry McClure with Merge Memphis. And that's our guest today. Sherry, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you so much for having me today. I am so looking forward to this. And I've been looking at the website, trying to learn more about the work. You are the executive director of Merge Memphis, a ministry that you and your husband, Keith, are co-founders on, yes, and, sir. Uh, but you've, you've got the upper hand since you're the executive director. Yes, sir. You're his boss, right? Well, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Well, what's interesting, too, you both are full-time nurses working hard to try to make a difference in our community. You both have strong passion and really are led to help those who are less fortunate. Right. Where did that begin, that that passion, helping those that are less fortunate? Right, Byron. Well, first off, I do want to say this. I am not a full-time nurse anymore. I had to quit my nursing job back in January of this year um, just because I was needed so much at Claire's house uh, with Merge Memphis. But um, this passion came years ago, back in probably 1980s. Um, I always have had a passion for other people. I mean, my husband and I are both nurses. So, I mean, the passion's already there. Yeah. You don't just say... I want to be a nurse one day. (laughs) You know, that's just not, you know, like being a, I don't know. Well, I guess you have to have passion with whatever you're doing. If you You want to enjoy it, if it's your niche or it's part of your drive. Your drive and your makeup and what what leads you in the way that you want to help others. But probably at least back in the 80s, I always had a passion for those less fortunate. And I actually back then wanted to have a restaurant. And I wanted to have people that um, had restaurant ability off the streets that could help run that restaurant. And then we could merge them back into society to be productive citizens. And back in the 80s, you know, we had kids. We both went back to school and that got shoved back in the back of my mind. And about eight years ago. My husband and I, we had some very tragic things to happen in our own lives. We had four very close individuals to us that passed away within about an eight-month period. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was very, very tragic events, and we were going to church every week, and they were doing a series on your burden and your legacy. And it was like I was going to church every week, and the preacher was just speaking to me. He wasn't speaking to anyone else right. there. I've been and there, yeah. 
So I uh, decided then, you know, I told Keith, I said, you know, we've just got the kids are gone now. We're empty nesters and we've got to do something. You know, that's what God put us here for is to help others. And I know we're nurses and we help others, but that's our job. We need to be doing more. And so the whole restaurant idea came back into my mind. And, you know, I knew I didn't have the funds for that. So we just started up the nonprofit in 2014, uh, filed our paperwork then. I think we got our paperwork back in 2015. Right. We started feeding in homeless shelters. We had a nonprofit food truck that was donated to us. We started going out and selling food and then turn around and feeding out of the food truck. Um, and so the passion just grew. And I tell you what, before we continue, I, I want to learn a little more about you and Keith, how you first met. Yeah. Well, we're both nurses. Uh, <laughs> I was in nursing school, and he was working in surgery at a little hospital in northwest Tennessee. And um, I was going through rotation of surgery there, and that's where I met him. Was it love at first sight? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry, how hard did Keith have to work to get your attention, win your affection? <laughs> oh, not very hard. Not very hard? No, it wasn't very hard. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't very hard at all. We got married in 1983. Have two children. Uh, they are both nurses. Uh, one's a nurse practitioner, and the other one's a nurse. Five grandkids. Oh, that's beautiful. So this nursing is an addictive thing in the McClure home there. I guess it is. Okay, so seems like nursing was a profession that you always, as a small little girl, did you want to be a nurse? No. You didn't want to be a nurse? No. No, it didn't cross my mind until I was probably a senior in high school. Okay. Yeah. Sherry, how serious is the issue of homeless women on our Memphis area streets? Oh, it's very serious. Um, About 34% of the homeless population are women. Um, And the problem is, is there's nowhere for them to go. You have Restoration House, which is also called um, Living for Christ. Uh, They do have women there. Uh, there's also a place called the Sisters, um, but they only take very few women, and it's only for a certain amount of days. And then you do have the Salvation Army, but if your family member or if I became homeless today, I probably would not have a place to go. Now, Room in the Inn has opened up. I think they actually opened up yesterday, so that would help our odds. But as a brick-and-mortar place to stay, there really aren't but two or three, and they don't hold as many people as like Union Mission and Calvary does for the men. And so Mariah House, now isn't that a home for women? It is. Now, that's for women and children. Okay. Now, we don't do women with children Okay. at Claire's House, yes. I'm talking about yeah. just a homeless woman with no children. Okay. Yep. So, Sherry, what are some of the reasons that women find themselves homeless? No, so many different things, abusive relationships, um, mental illness that has not been treated. Uh, That is a very large, very large part of the population. Um, 
as I said, abuse, domestic violence, um, and some people just down on their luck. I mean, some people may be just one or two paychecks away from being homeless, missing out for maybe some kind of emergency surgery or something like that may throw them into a downspin. Okay. And concerns, what are the concerns that arise as you try to help women that are homeless? Well, women are so vulnerable out on the street and easily, easily exploited. And along with the mental health issues, those are very large concerns. So when you first started, it was kind of a food supply correct, uh, for homeless, and you had this food truck that you were able to use correct. to serve. But uh, this concern of not having a place for women to go, this right. was really where Claire's house right. became into reality. Right. We... We noticed as we were out and about in the homeless community that, you know, there were more women than we really knew about. And we learned of there not being many places for them to go. Are these women primarily local Memphians or are these transit women? Or? They're both. Okay. They're both. Uh, we do get a lot of transit that come here from other areas. And then we have local, too. Okay. So... The idea of Claire's House, when you're looking at designing a place for women, what were some of your dreams or what were you trusting God could happen? Okay. Yes. Yeah, this is a story and it is strictly a God thing. Claire's House was absolutely strictly a God thing. We, for lack of a better word, tried to make things happen. <laughs> yeah. Keith and I were trying to go out. We were searching for places to put a women's shelter. We were searching in places we we couldn't afford. We couldn't afford the places. We were going to warehouses. We were we were chasing it. Okay? And that's not what God wanted us to do. And so I guess it's been we got Claire's house in two thousand nineteen. So nineteen so I guess it was two thousand sixteen. Keith had a heart attack, and Keith is a person that's in good health. He doesn't have high cholesterol. He doesn't have heart disease. Kind of had a fluke heart attack um, out on the golf course. And as I was with him, he had a couple of st a stint put in. And as I was with him that night, I dropped down on my knees, and I told God that I was finished. And I said, I am yours first, and then my family, and then merge. And that had not been the order that I had had things in. I was trying to search for merge for a place for these women, and God wasn't ready for that yet. Yeah. And I told God, I said, listen, I'm done. I'm still doing what I'm doing now. We'll continue. But if you want something to happen... Mm and you want to put it in our hands, right. then you're going to have to put it there. Yeah. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Be careful what Be you careful ask Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> um, I guess it was two years later, 16, 17, 19, three years later, a volunteer of mine works at Birthright. She would call me randomly trying to find food for these ladies that were coming in there to them, trying to find shelter for them, and I would help her. At that time, she had a volunteer 
at Birthright that would hear her talking to me on the phone. This volunteer happened to be the board chair of Ave Maria. The nursing care facility. Correct. They had a nursing home over in North Memphis that they had bought five years ago, and they had told all the families and all the patients that within five years, they would have them all out at their Bartlett location, that they would be building more homes out there. And so she wanted to meet with Keith and I. And I said, okay. So we met with her uh, probably about in February of 19. Um, You know, she wanted to know all about our organization, and she wanted to talk to us about this facility that might be coming available. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I didn't hear from her for a few months, and in May, she called me back, and she said, now, Sherry, you you know that we are going to donate this facility to your nonprofit. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, yeah, okay. I still didn't have it in my head until about October, I guess it was, and it was becoming more real. And then... This is October what year? Of 2019. Okay. And then they deeded it, quick deeded over to us December 2019. Oh, my goodness, Sherry. Yeah. Wow. So then what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. (laughs) You got a facility. Right. Right. You have a facility for women now. And God was the one that brought it. And what kind of condition and shape was the building in? Well, there were actually patients there up until the week before they deeded it over to us. But, of course, you know... It was an old building. Mm -hmm. It's a very old building. It took us until the end of May of 2020 to get it up to code and get all of our code um, enforcement things done and get all of our ducks in a row. Yeah. I what I did was I went out on Facebook and I said, "Okay, guys, we have a facility. I've got so many rooms that need to be decorated. And I need I need church groups, I need Bible study groups, I need Sunday school groups, I need families, I need co-workers to come together and help us put these rooms together. And, and so how many rooms did you have total? Uh, there are, well, we're 30 beds, so there's like 16 actual rooms. Each room has two beds? Correct. Uh, One room only has one. Now, the facility is larger than that, but that's all that we could accommodate. Right. Um, So... Did you have to have special licensing by the state? No, we're we're protected under our nonprofit. Okay. Correct. Yeah, under our nonprofit. Now, we have to have all the um, code enforcement and all that. Sure. Yes. Um, But... To go on with that, we, within 24 hours, I had every room adopted. Oh, my, Sherry. Okay, so why did you decide to call it Claire's House? That's another good one. That's another Strictly God thing. So we were at a board meeting, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to call this place. And, you know, it was called St. Claire's. We are not Catholic by religion. You know, we're not Catholic, so we didn't want to use anything like St. Claire's. So we were throwing around things, and I said, well, you know, let's look up and see who St. Clair was. She was the saint of poor women. And so we knew then that we were going to use something with Claire. So that's where Claire's house became. We didn't want to put the saint in front of it. There was no way that we could leave it behind after we looked it up and found 
out that she was a saint of poor women. So it became Claire's house. Claire's house. Right. So you have been functioning after you did renovations and got right. these volunteers to sponsor each room. Right. And come in. So I guess every room has its own character it and unique charm. It does. But it feels yeah. like home. It does. It does. It has a very homey, comfy atmosphere when you come in. Yeah. And I know there's several ways that you minister to the women who come to Claire's house, one of which is are the life skills that you offer. Right. Uh, describe some of these life skills you provide. Right. Now, some of those, it was really hard during uh, COVID. And of course, we're still struggling with COVID now. Did but, COVID impact your facility? Oh, well, not as... No, we had no one there with COVID. The we had one scare, yeah. correct. But um, we were taking uh, clients over to another nonprofit to do life skill classes because we love to use partnerships, mm -hmm. as in Lee Howard. Yeah. Yeah, we love to use partnerships. So we had another nonprofit that we were partnering with for life skills classes, and they actually had COVID twice and so you know we had to shut the classes down so we did what we could offering budgeting skills classes offering bible study classes things like that now we are starting to just get on the uprise of doing some more programs right. now Claire's House itself is a program of Merge Memphis, okay? And we also have connections with a couple of warehouses in town that will employ ladies for us okay. also. So let's back up and discover what does it take for a woman to become a resident at Claire's House? How do they qualify to, to become Correct. a resident? We, most of our clients come from Hospitality Hub or from MIFA, Room in the Inn, by word of mouth. Um, and qualifications, I mean, we are a drug-free, alcohol-free uh, program. Now, we do have a Three Strikes You're Out program on the alcohol, okay, but no drugs, are women drug tested? Now, randomly. Yeah. And if, when needed, when suspected and randomly, yes. And they agree to that. Yes, they wouldn't be able to they, stay. They agree to it. Okay, so is there a time period? Is the program yes, designed they can stay for so long? And then the ultimate goal is to help them to live on their own, right? Correct. And to save money and to live on their own and to be able to move out in and be a more productive yeah. uh, citizen. Uh, the time is 18 to 24 months. Um, I feel like our first clients that have been there up until about couple of months ago have kind of been robbed due to covid because we've not been able to offer everything we want to offer right uh, we do have someone that comes in uh, once a week uh, with mental health now and we also uh, have a lady that's starting that's going to be developing more programs for us uh, life skill programs learning how to cope with their situations mm. Celebrate well, let's, recovery. Let's talk some about the steps in helping women discover their self-worth after living in surroundings for so many years that have negatively influenced their lives right. and have kept them. Right. Yes, that's another one that is individually based on each individual person because everyone has their own path and some of them worse than others. The first thing you do when you have a woman that comes in 
and they start trying to adapt to your home and the right. structure. And is there a certain wake up time they have to get up, a time that they need to go to bed? I mean, right. how structured is the program? Right. Well, it hasn't been through COVID sure. as much. But yes, there is a curfew from 11 to 6 a.m. Uh, we do have several that do go to work every day um, out of our group. Um, every person has their own baggage. And you have to try to help them to tear into that baggage. And it takes longer for some than others. Yeah. Um, you know, they have been in survival mode uh-huh. for so long yeah. that they forget things that you and I take for granted. You know, just like the safety and security of knowing where your next meal is from. Right. Uh, we do provide three meals a day. Uh, they have use of washer and dryer, and they have semi-private rooms. Can you share maybe some specific stories of women who have discovered their identity in Christ through being at Claire's house and, and are now moving in the direction of living a new life in Christ? Right. Um, I do have one lady uh, particularly in mind. I won't use her name, no. uh, of course, but I do have one lady in mind that she called me on the phone And she knew she was about to be homeless. Um, She was about to be evicted. She knew what was coming up. She knew that she had other choices of places to go, but she really didn't want to go there. Right. And so she called me for probably three or four weeks and talked to me every week about things. And um, I just told her, you know, you know, come on over, look at the place, you know, if you like it, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. And um, she came over. We had a great talk. Um, she is very, very spiritual, but she was very broken. And uh, we would pray daily. She really began to get herself back up. She was able to move out within, well, I helped her to get a job, and uh, she actually got a second job, and she was able to move out within about nine months. Wow. So that was awesome to just see her to develop, even though she had not actually ever been out on the street. Right. She knew that she was becoming homeless. She was desperate. I mean, right. Needed, she was desperate. Needed a place to be. Wow, this is great. Now, there's some other aspects, so we don't have time to talk about everything in detail, but there is the Lettuce Serve and Juice Plus that is uh, connected with Merge Memphis. Right, right. Uh, we do have three tower gardens. Uh, we just got those this past summer, and they were all donated, uh, not by Juice Plus, but by different just different donations. Right. Um, and then uh, what we're trying to do is teach the ladies to eat more nutritious food and that's one of our programs okay uh, to eat more nutritious foods and to be able to take care of the towers themselves and, and there's something too part of merge memphis called free pantries right and i think i've seen some of these boxes around the town yes sir yes sir we have there's six little free food pantries out there they're just around, Mound. around the city yeah they're around the city and we have volunteers that stock them every week so you put like canned and non-perishable food right. items in those little, little free food pantries. They remind me of the little, some neighbor right. had the, like the library. That's in, it. The reading books right. that could be exchanged. 
But you've turned these into help people with food. Right. So I guess you would welcome volunteers to drop off food donations to help supply those. Uh, Absolutely. Or they can contact us uh, through mergememphis.org, through the volunteer site, and they can volunteer to stock their own pantry. I mean, you try up volunteers. Absolutely. And you use them greatly in all kinds of ways, right? Absolutely. Give us some examples. We have volunteers. A lot of volunteers like to stick to one thing. We have volunteers that just want to do the little free food pantries. We have volunteers that love to cook, and they cook meals for Claire's. We have volunteers that like to go out and hand out care packages, and we're about to do that this week and next week, make up care packages with hats, gloves, and scarves, and a snack in them. And the ladies at Claire's house will take those out downtown and hand those out. A lot of people love to do that. We'll... I mean, we can use somebody to run a bingo game, anything. So if somebody wanted to volunteer, what should they do? Go to mergememphis.org, and there is a volunteer spot there. It'll come straight to me in email. Biggest needs that Merge Memphis has right now? Oh, bottled water. Bottled water is really hard to find right now because usually you can only buy three cases of it everywhere you go. Yeah. And when you've got 30 women and they're doing three meals a day and you've got staff, yeah, bottled water is a huge need. We always need shower gel, shampoo, conditioner, things like that. We always need gently used or new towels, washcloths, things like that. No clothing donations right now needed, but we always need coats. Yeah. Now, we can do coats, but we don't need any regular clothing right at the moment. Sherry McClure, this has been great. Merge Memphis doing some wonderful work in our city. I love the story here as you help these women that are really underserved in our community and has been for a long time. What a great blessing to have Claire's house. Yes, sir. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Friends, go to the website, mergememphis.org, and learn more. Volunteer if you can. Drop off some donations if you can. Pray for Merge Memphis and any way you can support. Sherry, thank you so much for what you and Keith are doing for Christ's kingdom and our community. Thanks for being our guest. Thank you for having me. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Mid-South Viewpoint is people telling God-sized stories from all walks of life. What the pandemic did, it prohibited people required to be in the hospital from having an advocate. Most of them are involved in a full-time ministry pastoring the churches in Macedonia, Bosnia, Croatia, Montenegro, and Serbia. We're finding out exactly where a child is. What is their point of success? And then what is their point of weakness? That's where we start and we build from there. I got out of the truck. They led me over to an ambulance, then I saw another girl. I could only see her legs. That's about it. I didn't remember anything. And when you accept by repenting and accepting what Jesus done, you get the full forgiveness and your debt is paid to a holy God. Mid-South Viewpoint. Listen Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 3 p.m. on AM640 or anytime with the Bot Radio Network mobile app or on Spotify and iTunes podcast.